no professional sports team would ever go into their championship game, pick your particular type of, of uh, sport, <clears throat> and try to play against the other team when nobody knew each other, they had never practiced together, they hadn't developed any plays, and yet that's what we do in construction in an average project. The conclusion many people are coming to um, is it's not a, there's no bad folks in the construction business, it's just a bad system. Hello, I'm Brittany Campbell-Turner, and this is the Constructor Podcast, episode number 36. Hello and welcome to the Constructor Podcast, the best way to build it. This podcast is dedicated to helping property owners have certainty in their decisions about their construction projects. We talk about fostering trusting relationships within your project teams, help you understand how to lower risk, be under budget, and on schedule in your construction projects. Most importantly, exceeding your end user's desires. There is a movement happening. We as an industry are getting smarter. John Pemberton and I talk about the continuous improvement movement and relevant data that supports what makes projects have the highest likelihood of being ahead of schedule and under budget. You'll see what I mean when we get into the research. John comes to the idea of lean construction with an owner's mindset, having been at Intel As the Global Construction Group General Manager, he understands that most people in general care about the metrics, which typically are schedule and budget. Also, he considers himself a continuous improvement junkie due to his manufacturing background at Intel. These are two awesome qualities that make his perspective relevant for the constructor audience. I had a really fun time having this discussion with John. Listen in to my interview with John Pemberton. Hello, John. Welcome to the Constructor Podcast. We're happy to have you on the show today. Thank you, Brittany. Happy to be here. (laughs) Wonderful. So you are the CEO of Transforming Construction Solutions currently, and we'll talk a little bit about what TCS does in a little bit, but I wanted to um, talk to you about your experience with LCI. We've had a couple of interviewees here from LCI, um, but you were in an owner advisory role there. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with them. Sure. I was uh, uh, I worked at Intel Corporation uh, making computer chips for almost uh, 34 years. I retired from there uh, last summer and uh, about three decades of my Intel career. I was a manufacturing factory manager, plant manager, um, actually running factories for the company. In the last four or five years, I moved into a global construction manager role, really traveling around the world, uh, building what Intel needed to build, whether it was labs, factories, office complexes, R&D facilities, et cetera. Um, and through that journey, um, I, I got connected with a number of other owners um, who led me to the Lean Construction Institute. Uh, having spent most of my career in manufacturing, I was a kind of a continuous improvement junkie, if you will. Um, and uh, it was a natural attraction to get involved with people who are trying to apply lean construction principles and practices, collaborative uh, contracting methodology to the construction industry. And I I got to the board of that uh, organization. I was on that for three years uh, while I was working with Intel. Um, And then this last year after I retired both from the board there 
and the um, uh, the company. Uh, I've been on the traveling circuit, really sharing what we'll talk about tonight, which is the the business case for Lean and some uh, really what I think are pretty fascinating uh, business research results that we've uncovered over the last year or two. That's wonderful. I, I love that you said that you're a continuous improvement junkie. I, I think that um, I'm definitely becoming one of those. And I am happy to hear that that journey led you to the Lean Construction Institute and you've been able to contribute it, contribute to it. So, yeah, let's get into the, the topic of discussion, the business case for Lean. In past interviews, um, we've actually interviewed Renee Cheng, who's done some research with the Lean Construction Institute as well. And we've been able to gather a lot of info from from her interviews. So I'll make sure to link those to this. But you definitely have a different perspective having worked in the industry as an owner. So you have that perspective. And now you get the opportunity to share that with various groups. Who are you speaking with? Who, who are the people that uh, you're actually doing this presentation to? Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good range of uh, people, but the, the primary audience that we set out as a Lean Construction Institute to try to touch were our communities of practice across the country. There's 30 different communities of practice, really geographically based. There's one in the Bay Area, one up in uh, the Portland area, one in Seattle, one in D.C., one in New York City, and, you know, Dallas, et cetera, around the country. Um, and those communities of practice are made up of uh, lean practitioners, continuous improvement, um, uh, folks that are really trying to find a better way to do construction in their local markets and their companies um, and with their projects. <clears throat> and they're, they're made up of architects, engineers, uh, general contractors, uh, trade contractors, specialty consultants, owners, really the whole um, gamut of people involved in the capital delivery uh, project. And many of those uh, audiences are 50 to 100 people that we are able to have, you know, meaningful discussions with about what the research results are finding, what they're learning on their projects, and really how we can continue to try to move the industry forward. So that's been the primary uh, audience of people. Now, in many of those communities of practice, though, we are trying to also do joint events with a uh, uh, a general contractor like HEC, their, their national chapters, or an AIA for the architects, their national chapters. So that we're really trying to touch um, the whole community of people in a geography to share the business results. <clears throat> uh, we've been doing that for much of the last six months on the road, trying to get that information out to folks. And we're now starting to get uh, requests to go into specific companies and share the business results and what, what we're learning around the country as we talk to different projects in different uh, people. So it's really a pretty good mix of people across the country. That's wonderful. Uh, would you say that there are particular markets that what whatever the broad gamut is of, of um, parties, right? Whether it be GC, designer, owners, is there a specific market? I mean, I know healthcare has been a huge follower of LCI. I'm just curious as to whether you're able to see more technology companies um, things of that nature. Sure, that's a good question. Um, th certainly, there's uh, the many of the the practices that that we're trying to promote and study in the research uh, really originated on the West Coast. Uh, um, Sutter Health, as as you mentioned, uh, James was on your program, and 
You can find my episode with James Pease from Sutter Health, How to Develop a Collaborative Culture on Every Project, with James Pease at Constructor, that's ConstructorRR.com slash EP22. Now let's get back into the interview. And shared some of the work they've done. Folks like Disney, UHS Health were also kind of innovators in the field. Um, when I started um, getting involved with this with Intel, we, we set up what we called a large owner group, which was uh, really about, it grew to about 20 companies, uh, folks like Procter & Gamble, uh, folks like Chevron, Microsoft, uh, Google even participated a bit, General Motors, really a very, very wide range of companies um, in different industry segments that were really trying to share um, and try to learn from Sutter, learn from Disney, learn from what other owners were doing. And how could we collectively try to move the industry forward? That that group of large owners also um, has been meeting pretty regularly over the last number of years with some of the industry consortia, folks like LCI, uh, folks like the AIA, folks like the AGC, um, to see what we can do as we band together. CII has been a, a big leader in that, um, really trying to uh, to figure out how we can band together to make systematic and, and really structural improvements in the industry. Okay. That really helps to know about the, the large owner group. And you said that's primarily uh, in California? Well, it, the, the, I'll call it the movement started in California. It was really out of uh, Berkeley was some of the original, the original foundation of where the Lean Construction Institute started. It's where some of the first, as James shared, some of the first IFOA contracts were done. Um, but it's really proliferated now across the country. It's no longer just a West Coast uh, phenomena by any means. It's in Chicago. It's in New York City. It's in L.A. It's in uh, Florida. I was just down talking with folks in Orlando um, a week or two ago. So it's it's spread across the country now. That's just mm -hmm. where it had So its do origin. you feel like there's a true momentum really spreading across the country? I mean, you've been traveling all over the place. <laughs> you know, I, I, I sense that there is. I mean, there's clearly, um, and one of the things I was very passionate about and still am very passionate about is really how do we shift the, the productivity curve in the construction industry? And I, I noticed a number of your prior programs have talked about that, or at least in some sense, that, that really there's only a couple of industries that have had flat productivity over the last 40, 50 years. Healthcare has, construction has, education has. But if you look at many other industrial segments like manufacturing, information technology, transportation, agriculture, you know, they're getting five or 6% productivity improvement year over year for 50 plus years. And our industry has stayed flat. And so I think there's a growing sense that that's just dragging our overall economy down. It's dragging our, our human capital down, um, that, that we're just got to figure out a better way to do the work of construction and, and bringing things together. And I think the, the learning many people are coming to or the conclusion many people are coming to um, is it's not a there's no bad folks in the construction business. It's just a bad system that we've uh, allowed to develop over the past decades. Um, and it's you know partly our litigious society. It's partly a lot of small smaller companies that are trying to protect themselves um, and not not get into a bad place. But we really have to get, uh, uh, come together and say, what's a better way to do this business? And that's that's really what the Lean Construction Institute is trying to move forward is there's a better way. There has to be a better way. Other industries are finding ways to be more productive. And so we just have to learn and figure out how to move our, our business forward. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'm curious as to whether you get specific questions after you've done your presentation, right? We're, we're going to get 
a little bit more into detail about about the business case for Lean. But is there any question that you get often after doing the presentation? Um, we almost always have a good discussion while the presentation is going because I try to make it relatively interactive because it's really about learning and what can we yes. collectively do together. Um, and one of the one of the things we often we often talk about is that 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 many people in the construction industry um, believe that the problem is out there. If just the owners would do something, or if just the general contractors would do something, or if just the trade contractors would do something. Um, and the, the, the learning that we always come back to is, folks, it's going to take all of us to decide to play together better. Um, and it's not anybody that is, um, is the problem. We are all the problem and we got to figure out how to work together better, uh, apply the practices and the, the tools and techniques. We'll talk a bit about more. Um, but it's, I think that's the common one, Brittany, that, that it's so easy to fall into the trap that it's somebody else's fault and there's enough evidence or data to prove that that, that might be partially the case. Um, but we've just got to pull our boots, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, if you will, and say, um, we're part of the problem. Let's go be part of the solution. Mm, so we're only better together. We're only better when we collaborate. I love it. Yep. I truly do. So let's get into the data. Okay, sure. So that, I, you know, I won't, I won't spend a lot of time talking about what Renee's work does. She's done just phenomenal work at, out of the University of, of Minnesota. I've had a chance to listen to her and talk with her a number of times. Um, uh, the you can find my two-part series with Renee Cheng, professor and researcher at University of Minnesota, how to create high-performance projects and the benefits of IPD lean projects at Constructor, that's constructrr.com slash EP28, and constructor.com slash EP29. The other study that we that we sanctioned um, uh, out of the Lean Construction Institute uh, was really a, uh, done by the folks at Dodd Analytic. And what, they, what we set out to do with them is really to start from the premise of, of what's the, the state of play, if you will, for owner satisfaction and project performance. And so we got... We got an in-depth survey we did um, together with them on 81 different owners, wide range of different uh, types of businesses from, you know, higher education, industrial, government, developers, you know, wide range of different applications. And in each one of those 81 owners, we ask to really be able to study and do a detailed analysis on what they viewed over the last couple of years as their best project and what they would view as their typical project. And we did ask a lot of detailed questions then and had them self-identify on their best and average. And the reason that we did that is we, we don't want to get tainted with, you know, the one outlier that was terrible and nobody ever wants to do again, um, but really try to understand um, what was the differentiators and what's the causality um, for folks having best projects versus what is uh, typical. And then we started to sift through the data. And of course, the, the number one and number two business metric that all owners said was the most relevant for them was how did I do relative to the budget my company set up when I embarked upon this capital asset project? And then second is, did I get my capital asset delivered and put into production, whatever production means for that organization at the time that I committed it to um, at the time the project was approved? So we really studied a lot of the, the project schedule and the project budget because that was the two overwhelming, not surprising to, to folks uh, from a, what was important to them. Um, and then we kind of start 
uh, diving down through the data with the punchline. And the punchline is really that, that folks that have a high lean intensity, and I'll describe what that means as we go forward, but high lean intensity projects are 3x, um, meaning 300% more likely to be ahead of schedule and 2x or 200% um, more likely to be under budget than those that were not. And so we think there's a very compelling um, set of data around that. And then I can share kind of the four or five big takeaways, if you will, um, that we got out of that research. Let's just make sure to let the audience know that the research is available to review. Um, it's, it's good to at least have this on yes. hand to thumb through. Um, and, and we can definitely leave the link where you can find that um, in the show notes. So I'll leave that for you guys. Yep. Yep. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, we have a, we put together kind of a one page uh, summary that folks can have that is posted on the LCI website, um, as well as the, I'm going to kind of give you the cliff notes of walking through the presentation, the full presentations there. Um, and then there's also a number of videos that folks can watch that uh, we've taped over various different times. So a lot of collateral that folks are interested in yeah, learning certainly. more. Thank you for, for doing that. So, so continue, please. Tell us more. <laughs> Um, so I, I'll, I'll say that there's probably four or five things that came out of the research. Uh, and again, some of them are um, match what we would say our intuition would be, but the magnitude of the difference was was um, pretty compelling to us. And then some things I think we were surprised by how how um, uh, so of some of what the what the data told us. So I'll kind of just walk you through the top four or five learnings. Um, the first learning, and again, this one matches intuition to an extent, but the magnitude of it was really surprising. So one of the big learnings that we had out of the research, again, differentiating best projects from average, was how important team dynamics were in the best relative to uh, average. And we asked in four areas, and we did this based on research that the Pankow Foundation and CII had done you know, a number of years um, ago, several, three, probably three now, years ago around um, team chemistry, integration of new team members, uh, commitment of members to project goals, and then decision making. Um, and it was amazing. Um, the best projects had about a seven to one or a six to one ratio of, of improvement relative to team dynamics from the average uh, projects. And, and what we talk about when we go through the data a bit more is it's and I try to not use any particular sport, but I use a sporting analogy that, you know, no professional sports team would ever go into their championship game, pick your particular type of, of uh, sport and try to play against the other team when nobody knew each other. They had never practiced together. They hadn't developed any plays. And yet that's what we do in construction in an average project. We dump people into a project. We say go. Um, and then we wonder why people don't necessarily get along. So the best projects mm -hmm. clearly were doing a lot to onboard people, clearly doing a lot to try to coach um, about how to behave as a team, team ground rules, how to how to be productive and coordinate and collaborate with each other. That's kind of the first one. And again, I think many of us who have been in projects and have been in the industry for a while, you can walk in and sense whether it's good or not good. Um, but now it's starting to be pretty clear from a data perspective how big a difference that the time and energy people putting into that that team formation and stuff. It's not waste. Um, it's actually very, very productive time. And that's very consistent, by the way, with Renee's research as well. Yes, it is. 
I think it's really interesting that team building is is really not it's it's basically atypical for people to spend time on they think they have to you know start hitting the ground running you know reviewing the drawings asking those you know RFIs you know just get into get into the guts of the project but it's that emotional intelligence ultimately yes. that you're describing yeah and it's it's um team dynamics i i think that's really key and and you said it before uh that's what people are are understanding yeah. You, ha- you can only get better yes. together, and the data is showing yes, us that. Right. That's yeah. awesome. The second, the second big arena that we the research showed, and this one I think actually surprised mm-hmm. us, but it, we called it kind of how you build the team. And the, what the research showed, and we've got kind of a continuum on the, on the x-axis that talks about when do you engage all of the key stakeholders, all the key stakeholders, meaning the designer, the GC, the mechanical contractor, electrical contractor, drywall contractor, you get the, when, when in the, the space of the design is what we've got on the X axis, when in the, in that continuum from the time you're doing a pre-business case, I don't know if I want to do the project until you've got all of the, the documentation done, done. Um, when did all those folks get onboarded? And what the data showed was the best projects um, about three quarters of the time or 75% of the time, those key stakeholders are all hired and on board um, as design starts um, versus the typical projects where um, probably a, less than a third of the time, those key stakeholders are on board at the time design starts. So the, the, the notion, and again, this probably ties a bit back to the team dynamics potentially, but it was just, the, it was really in, insightful to, listen to that as we've talked with folks about why we don't do that. Um, because the data is so clear that if we got people on board early, that's what makes projects best. And we often uh, will stop and say, okay, if the data is that clear, why is that? And we talk a lot about um, in some of our more traditional delivery methods like design, bid, build, um, that we think we can't co- competitively select our partners until we have a set of drawings. And then we talk through many people in the country are, are doing that. Many projects are, are competitively selecting who's going to be on the team with no drawings done. That's how they're able to, to have everybody onboarded before design starts. We talk about that there's a, a myth or a perception that it costs too much to get people engaged early. And the data is very clear to the contrary, that that's actually the best projects get people on board early and that they have a significantly higher likelihood of being under budget. So that was, that was a really enlightening one that we didn't uh, quite expect. Yeah, that, that is quite enlightening. I like that metric. Um, yeah. The, the third, the third area was again, probably uh, related a little bit to the, the onboarding, but it was really around selection process. And, and it was just fascinating to see on the best projects, how folks were picked based on value based on self-selected teams, negotiated, um, but very little um, around bidding. Um, and then on the average projects, it was almost all around some type of open bid or um, some type of pre-qualification with the bidding process. So it was very, very uh, clearly differentiated on how we were selecting companies to be part of the project team was very different on best projects than it was on average projects. The, the fourth area, and this is one that, that um, uh, I'm, I'm personally very, very interested in because it's, it's partly what I'm trying to do in my new company and helping 
helping folks is we studied the uh, project delivery methods and the contracting types to see if we could see any any differences between best and uh, average. And what we learned on the delivery methods um, is that you know our traditional uh, CM at risk or design bid build um, was a majority of the average projects, but uh, and, and very little um, of the integrated project delivery or design build um, were in the average, but the best were disproportionate to a design build or an integrated project delivery and were not so prevalent over on our more traditional uh, delivery methods. So what we took out of that is that the more collaborative the delivery method, um, the higher propensity of having a best project. So that was kind of the, a big takeaway on delivery method. And then the, the compensation or contracting type uh, again, our, our much our more traditional lump sum um, and a, maybe a GMP was the primary what average projects did. Um, and GMPs was a pretty good number of folks that were in the best projects, but there was a sizable number in the best projects that were um, some type of shared savings, um, cost reimbursable. Mm. Um, and so we see that as an emerging trend as well. The other thing we took out of both delivery method and contracting type is there are best projects prevalent in any delivery method and in any contractor compensation method. And so people often argue with me that you can do it any way you want and get a good result. It's one of kind of Renee's um, myths that she broke in her research as well. And to an extent that that is true. Uh, but if you want to have a significantly higher probability from a delivery method, the more collaborative the delivery method is, i.e. either a IPD or a design build where you have um, a higher propensity of partnerships. And when you have a cost re or not even necessarily a cost reimbursable, but a mm -hmm. shared savings where people have skin in the game, to use Renee's terms, um, that had a very, very big differentiator from a probability of success. So that was pretty fascinating results on our, our part. I just love the consistency that... Uh, you're finding with with the Dodge data analytics and also Renee within her research that again it it fo focuses back up on team and it, it even goes down to the contracting types. It's very much it very much shifts one's mindset and it, and that is ultimately necessary to shift the culture. It sounds like yes, yes. And then the last, the last area that we, that we studied, and this is really, we didn't, uh, to go back all the way to how we set the research up or the Dodge Analytics folks set the research up. We did not ask and did not even mention anything about lean in picking your best project or average project. They just said from whatever your business metrics are, um, that you judge success or lack thereof, you know, give us your best and your average. And then we ask a lot of questions around management methods that you use on your projects. And so the last area, kind of the fifth area that we had quite a bit of learning on is what lean tools made the biggest difference between uh, average projects and uh, best projects. And so we've got probably what I call the top eight on a page in the presentation, but I'll, I'll just touch on a couple of them. And really the way we try to, to coach and, and teach this as we travel around talking to different companies and different project teams is um, it, it's difficult to absorb all the things one might do to try to go apply lean construction techniques to a project. But what we are learning is there are 
three or four that probably have the most material difference. So if you're going to start somewhere, here are places you might uh, start. And consistent, Brittany, with what you mentioned, the top ones are things like a co-location or a big room. You may have heard of that uh, before. And it's really a structured way of, of making everybody sit together. You, you meet together. You have a very visual management of all of the data is up on the wall. All the problems are up on the wall. And so you don't get this, what I call, up the food chain, over and down the food chain uh, stuff going on. You really have a very structured way of trying to communicate um, as a team, collaborate as a team. So that was kind of the number one differentiator between um, a best projects and average projects. Yep. So the second second biggest one was really around target value design. And that's an a integrated way, again, of getting uh, teams to collaborate between designers and the trade partners that physically do the work um, in an organized manner. So you see kind of a consistency between um, the co-location, big room, getting people to collaborate, work together in an integrated manner. Target value design is a methodology of, of, of getting the trade partners who are actually going to physically build the stuff in the field involved in the design. They have tremendous insight into what works, what doesn't work, and can really add to the value of design. Again, going back to the, the, the better we have the trade partners on board as we start design, those was a key enabler for best projects. Then things like prefabrication, modularization, full team onboarding. You know, there's a, a number of other key lean tools and methodologies that, that, that drifted to the top that the best projects use. But it, it was just, again, a, it's really all in the spirit of how does the team learn uh, together as a group. So that's great. Definitely. Thank you for sharing all of that, um, John. You bet. You bet. I, we're just we're excited that the data is now starting to support the intuition many of us have had um, over the past you know, five to 10 years that there's a better way. Um, and the data is clearly showing there is a better way. Um, and we're just excited to get that out there. Many of the times I talk with folks, I get to show me the data um, and now we can actually start to show them the data. Um, and and that's, a, that's an opening for the conversation. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot more to to help move this uh, movement forward, because that's really, again, what I call it is a movement to find a better way. Certainly. So tell us what impacts you're making or you're hoping to make with TCS. Well, it's very similar to what we just uh, we spent time uh, talking about. Again, I'm a, a passionate, as I said, a continuous improver. Um, and I just I've, I've seen. I've seen great projects that, that everybody loves and they're, they're working together and they're making magic happen and they walk away feeling good um, and they all want to work together again. And then I've seen projects that everybody's button heads and not talking to each other or yelling at each other and it just is emotionally draining. We are way behind schedule, way over budget. Everybody's irritated and they go home and are irritated with their families and friends, et cetera, and, and it's just a, a tough go. And there's frankly a better way to go do this business. And I really want to try to help companies that are interested in doing it differently, um, approach it differently, using some of the lean construction techniques we talked about, um, using more collaborative team approach to things, uh, whether it's design build or an integrated project delivery, uh, but really, really applying lean to individual companies to make the companies better, but also taking it to a project level and figuring out how they can work together Better. So that's our that's our mission. That's our vision. That's what we want to try to help those who want to be helped. Those that are what I'll call early adopters in this movement. I mentioned that movement a couple of times. You know, I thank the folks at Sutter. I thank the folks at Disney. I thank the folks at UHS. 
I think the folks that, uh, that were pioneers in the Lean Construction Institute that were the innovators. I, when I was at Intel, um, was, a, was a, either a late innovator or an early, early adopter, one or the other. Um, but we're now, now starting to, to find other early adopters and say, who are the companies, whether it's a piping company, electrical company, an owner, a general contractor, designer, that wants to change the industry, that really wants to try to move things forward. And that's the companies we want to try to work with to help them help move the industry forward. Yeah, it's an exciting time. And uh, I'm glad that you've you found the opportunity to, to share the knowledge that you've been you've you've learned while at Intel and in your involvement with LCI and um, I'm sure I'm sure just going out and, and speaking on behalf of LCI about the business case is is just piquing people's interest. So that's 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 awesome. I'm glad you're getting the opportunity to consult on that level. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for allowing me the time today. I really appreciate what you're doing to try to get the word out on many different levels of how we might do business better and differently. And um, again, be happy to help anybody who's in your audience if they have further questions on the LSAT research report or on how they might do better business themselves. We'd love to come help them. Awesome. So a couple questions for you just to, to wrap up here. What would you say is the number one thing, and maybe we've touched on it already, but what would you say the number one thing is that the listener should do right now if they want to learn more about lean construction or adopt a better method, right? Be part of this movement. Yeah, I think the, the number one thing I encourage everybody I talk with around the country is, as I mentioned, we have 30 communities of practice now. They're not in every uh, convenient to every location, but to try to find a community of practice that is in a location close to you, um, because that's really where you can start to connect with people who are um, as passionate as you are about making a difference. Um, and then try to connect um, with people who are in your industrial segment that are um, trying to move things uh, forward. So if you're an owner, that's a way in which you can get connected with other owners. If you're a designer, that's a way you can get connected with other designers, as well as other people on a project team level. So that's my, my first advice always to folks is to, if you're able, if you're in a geography where there's one that's in a, a rational uh, geographic reach, is to reach out to those folks and see how you can get engaged, how you can learn, how you can be part of that community. Awesome. Thanks for that. So my last question is, how can someone get in contact with you or learn more about what you are doing? Um, we, uh, we have a website and I can probably get that to you. Um, uh, or if you type in and Google transforming construction solutions, you can, um, you can find our website and we've got a way of getting in contact with us and be again, happy to, happy to help folks. Certainly. And I'll put that link in the show notes as well. All right. Wonderful, John. Thanks again for joining us today. And all right. Uh, keep, the, keep the momentum going. <laughs> happy to. Thanks again, John. Okay, bye-bye. So I've been talking with you guys about lean construction in multiple podcasts, interviewing lots of interviewees, which I've mentioned during this podcast, and I'll put in the show notes as well. But there's a reason that I've been talking about lean construction, and it's I just want you to get it. What do I want you guys to get exactly? I want you to get that there is a clear and certain path to increasing your likelihood of projects to get better in the way of schedule and budget. 
This path includes more collaborative delivery models. It includes co-locating. John's illustration about sports teams playing in a championship game without knowing one another, one another was an excellent example of how not being prepared to compete for your teammate takes place in traditional construction. It includes conceptual continuous estimating with the utilization of BIM or building information modeling. James Pease from Sutter Health and I talk about this in episode 22. It includes prefabrication, modularization, and off-site construction techniques. The ne next episode is with an off-site construction expert, Ryan Smith, and you'll find this in episode 37. So I hope all of you are getting this because this is so valuable, not only for you to implement right away, but for the industry to be ultimately elevated, right? John and I talk about the continuous improvement movement. Don't miss the opportunity to be part of that. So please email me at Brittany at constructor.com. I want to know how this podcast has helped you, even if you haven't implemented anything yet. If you just want to learn more and have questions for me, just still email me. Again, that's Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-E, at constructorconstructrr.com. Don't forget to subscribe at constructor.com to get email updates from me. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so at iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave a review to show your support and let me know you're enjoying the podcast. I look forward to talking with you guys next week.